You're listening to Dancing Around Elephants, a podcast that talks to dancers about the elephant in the room, dance injuries. I'm Danelle Dixon, a dancer turned physical therapist, and I currently work with dancers helping them get past their challenges to access the next level of their dance careers. I'm sitting down to talk with dancers about their journey, their injuries, and how they have successfully navigated past the elephant in the room. My goal is to change the way we approach injuries in the dance community, and it all starts with a conversation. Let's get started. Hey guys, so we are on to episode two of Talking With the amazing Malik Washington. So guys, if you have not heard episode one, please, 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 it is imperative that you go back and listen to the first episode. He deep dives into his beginnings in dance, but more importantly to an incredible story of one of the most amazingly challenging injuries that he've had, which was a staph infection. And he's going to continue that story and wrap it up and tell you a bit more about how he really persevered through this injury or through this situation, this amazingly crazy health scare to come back to dancing full-time and just kind of really conquer the world. Please go back and listen to it, but let's get on to Malik again. So guys, we were talking about probably one of the biggest injuries that Malik had to experience and his whole experience with his company, with his choreographers, with his teachers, his healthcare providers, and how he was able to get through that. You were talking more about how you were able to get back from walking with a cane, mm-hmm. not being able to dance, teaching verbally mm-hmm. instead of actually physically moving to actually reaching down, touching the toes yeah. and your doctors being amazed. Tell us more about that process. Uh, the process was severe. You know what? If you're going to be real honest, my doctors asked me, what do I do for pain? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't speak about this, but I'm a advocate for marijuana. Mm-hmm. It is a great healer. Mm-hmm. Um, and my doctor advocated for me to smoke more. Mm-hmm. She said it will relieve the pain so that you can stretch through it. Mm-hmm. And it did help. I got my, remember I lost 60 pounds. Mm-hmm. I had to get my uh, appetite back up because after not eating mm-hmm. for like two weeks, I didn't have hunger. There was like, it's crazy how your brain and your body works right. that after two weeks of not eating, like I eat like a football player mm-hmm. and not eating like that for two weeks, I wasn't hungry. Like, I would go home and my mother would make me a cup of soup this big. And I was like, I really don't want to eat it. Mm-hmm. I'm not hungry. Wow. Started smoking more and started taking more extracts of CBD oils and things like that. And my hunger started to get back up. My pain would subside and I would be able to stretch a little bit more. And that meant by the first month, I was still just walking. And it taught me a lot about patience. So mm-hmm. that is the number one thing that I think for every injury it's going to teach you. And my friend just posted something up on her Instagram, Tamisha God, mm-hmm. and she says, "Start, stop taking. Why is this? Stop saying why is this happening to mm-hmm. me, and start looking at what is this trying to teach me." Yes, listen to that, guys. Because I went from sitting in that bed and dreading not being able to dance, praying to God every single day because I had no one to talk to. I was just talking to myself in a room and I started to make goals for myself mm-hmm. or things that I thought like if I was to die tomorrow, mm-hmm. what are the things that I wanted to do before I, I leave this mm-hmm. earth? I wanted to go to Fiji. I wanted to see more places. I wanted to judge dance competitions. I wanted to choreograph more. I wanted to have my own show. I made a list. 
Wow. And within, I am not kidding you, within six months out of me being out of that bed, all those things happened. That's amazing. And I was That's like, amazing. what's happening? And I literally think, and I always say this, I have angels that walk around with me 24 mm-hmm. seven. They keep saving my life. They keep pushing me into a I've way. I've heard you say that. Yeah. Before. I like, mm-hmm. it's my grandmother to the fullest. And every person that passes away in my family, I feel like now I have an army. Mm-hmm. And they're all looking out. Like if one person that doesn't see it, there's another person right there. Yeah. Um, and yes, you should be spiritual. Even if you don't believe in God, if you believe in Allah, Buddha, Taoism, Hinduism, take it. Whatever you are, it is. Mono. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the gods, help me, please. Mm-hmm. So seeing that and sitting there, uh, I started to write a list mm-hmm. of things that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And by July of that year, I went to Fiji. Mm-hmm. Then I went to Australia. And I started teaching in Australia. I created a, a, a life for myself in Australia. Mm-hmm. I started judging dance competitions. I judged, wow. the, I judged the national dance competition uh, maybe two months, three months after mm-hmm. being sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything started to just accumulate. And I joined Camille A. Brown and Dancers maybe seven months, at, six months after getting out of the hospital. Y'all heard that? Okay. And I was like, yo, I want to join a company that, you know, actually cares about me. Mm-hmm. This is the best company I've ever been in my entire life. What's good about it? Let's talk more about that. You know what? It's like the idea that Camille is that Camille and the whole company, everyone does their own thing. Mm-hmm. But everyone does it together. Mm-hmm. So, like, the idea that Jewel is an amazing choreographer, Camille is an amazing choreographer, I choreograph, Monte choreographs, some people are school teachers. No one is pushed to being like, you can only focus on the company. You can't do your own stuff. Wow. She's like, no. That's pretty unique. Yo. And I've, I've danced in a lot of companies. I'm yeah. on probably like my 10th dance company mm-hmm. professionally. And I freelance with a lot of companies. Ain't no company like CAPD. Wow. None in the world. I promise you. Wow. Because Camille is so unapologetically honest mm-hmm. with all of us. Mm-hmm. When she, and now she speaks on this so I can say this. When I joined the company... Our first residency was at Jacob's Pillow, where I was a student at as well, uh, an alumni, and she wasn't there. Mm-hmm. She Her appendix ruptured while mm-hmm. she was performing, and wow. while we were headed there, her appendix ruptured again. So she had to go back to the hospital. She had a pick line as well. Mm-hmm. She felt really down. This woman worked from her hospital bed and still gave us assignments, mm-hmm. still watched us when we were in rehearsal through, like... FaceTime mm-hmm. or, you know, WhatsApp, and we would send her videos of things that we worked on. In my head, I am so nervous because the last time that I danced with this woman was 13 years ago when she choreographed on me in my freshman year of college. Right. I mean, uh, senior year of high school. Okay. So now to be here with people that used to teach me, Jewel was my teacher when she was there. Yeah. And... I've known, I didn't know most of the rest of the people, Mm -hmm. but in that week of being there, we became like the most tightly knit family ever. And I learned so much. And then there was another residency. I don't think she, well, we just learned some stuff. And by the third residency, she was there. Mm -hmm. We were back in New York. And I'm like, y'all ready? Y'all been doing all this stuff? Yeah, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready to show her what I got. I did my first step. No. Huh? And slowly you start to see each person sit down. Mm-hmm. And each person, I would say, is like 10 minutes mm-hmm. of her working with me. Mm-hmm. She worked with me for an entire hour mm-hmm. on one step. 
And mm-hmm. instead of saying, that's not the step, that's not it, you're not getting it, she's like, again, again. Mm-hmm. And then the questions will come. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking about? Mm-hmm. What is the step? Who are you doing this step towards? And I was like, oh, wow. Carmen DeLapalai. I just thought about her in my head. And I was just like, I saw her uh, speak at Dance to the Harlem. I'm also a very big dance enthusiast. I go to everything. I see every dance show. Mm-hmm. If there's an opening showing or something, I'm going because there's information that I might want. Um, just the same way we, you want information about your body, you should also have information about the world that you are trying to invest your entire life in. Of course. Um, of so course. when Carmen said, the thing that she knew she wasn't a dancer, and oh, the, the difference between a dancer and an, uh, an actor or an artist Dancers take commands. Oh, yeah. Kick, jump. Mm-hmm. And he's like, artists will ask questions. Mm-hmm. Who, what, when, why, where? Yeah. When Camille started asking me all of these questions, I was like, oh, I'm working with an artist. Yes. I'm not working with just a choreographer or a dancer. Mm-hmm. So she was like, yo, what is that stuff for you? Like, who are you talking to? Like, so when you do stuff like this, who, who's your boys that you talk to? Oh, she was like, yo, yeah, I did. I know I did. Mm-hmm. So talk to I did. Mm-hmm. And then literally it started going smoother. Yeah. And then every time we would hit a road bump, she would talk to me again and we would have a conversation. So mm-hmm. the dialogue is so important in our company that it sometimes overshadows the movement. Because if you don't have the dialogue for us to understand where you're thinking mm-hmm. and what you're thinking about, who mm-hmm. you're thinking about, now we have something to tap into and start to connect these dots. And now it's, I'm going on my second year mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not thinking about leaving. Yeah. It's like, she lets me do my other stuff outside. I yeah. still choreographed for like, I told you I was doing my Instagram, the 2018 timeline. And I was yeah. just like, oh my God, how was I able to do all these things and still perform for her every other month? We're in a, a different state. We're in two states every month. Yeah, that's awesome. That is amazing, amazing, amazing. So let's go back. Let's go back to that conversation where you're talking about having dialogue and stuff like that. How does the dialogue of injury happen? Uh, well, you know what? It's it's kind of crazy because she still has like injuries, and mm-hmm. we've had a dancer get injured on stage. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I guess the the conversation is always like, "What do you need? Mm-hmm. Do you need time? Mm-hmm. We have two. Oh my god! Wow, one, two, yes." Usha injured her hamstring. She mm-hmm. ruptured her ham, uh, her uh, Achilles, mm-hmm. maybe like a year ago, mm-hmm. and. Beatrice, she ruptured her Achilles too while we were at Montclair. Mm-hmm. Both got surgeries. Both are better now. Both are dancing. I yeah. think the most important thing that Camille always made them feel was reassured that they still had a place with her. Wow. Now that is, and, and, and this is an interesting conversation to have because you, you very well know this. And things that I see in this clinic, things that I've experienced as a dancer, is that, again, it's very black and white. You're either in or you're out. Or you're out. Show must go on. You know what I mean? So it's very rare to hear of companies, unless there is some sort of investment into the medical side of injuries, that the choreographers, that the dancers have open dialogue about right. what does this look like and how do we work through it to get you mm-hmm. back here. That That's a very rare thing. And I don't know that I know many companies that do that. So what do you, where do you think that comes from? Do you think it's just you need to clean a ground? Or do you think that it's just something that you guys have fostered in your relationships and growth as artists and as dancers? I think uh, it's interesting because most people will say we're a company and we're not. Mm-hmm. We're a big family. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference. 
when, when you're a family, like I mm-hmm. said, on my support, all those people that came to visit me while I was sick, yeah, I, I, I literally reach out to those people now and I'll be just like, thank you, mm-hmm. on random days, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's the same with all of us, we hit each other randomly, just like, yo, thinking of you, mm-hmm. uh, I saw this thing and it's like, it, it was about you, companies don't really hang out with each other sometimes, like, there's certain people, yeah. but when you have, like, a company like Ailey or uh, Cedar Lake when they were still around, uh, it's so big mm-hmm. that sometimes you get lost in the vastness of it. So how do we, so, so I would say that that's something that's very valuable. Yeah. It's something that's very crucial for dancers because you're in, you're in an industry, mm-hmm. you're in an art form, mm-hmm. you're in a sport that really demands so much of you mentally and physically. You are really, as an artist, you're, you're called upon to put everything out on a table. So it's very difficult to put everything out on a table without getting anything back. Right. You know, how do we, how do we capture that? And put that into companies now. Like, how how do we facilitate that? I really don't know how to tell other companies how to do that because mm-hmm. they also set they're set in ways. They 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 have things that that works for them, and mm-hmm. you know, it's also like when you look at Ailey, it's not. I don't. I look at it as a corporation. Now. Mm-hmm. Like they're so big. Yeah. That like anything and everything that they do is always like front page. Like right. So um. For, I know for us, when mm-hmm. we do it and it's smaller, and I, I've seen other companies do this too, like Urban Bushwoman mm-hmm. and other smaller companies that are ran by women. If you've noticed that, I'm oh, like, you got to speak on it. Uh, you know? Yeah, this is important stuff. I feel like that's the, the nurturing side mm-hmm. of a woman. Uh, men as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we're like actually speak about when we're making pieces is like, what's the balance? Mm-hmm. What, and we, so I guess everything that ties into the pieces that we make also tie into the lives that we live because mm-hmm. she speaks on it every day is like, they are different people. If we had a show last week in Nashville and then our next show is in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Mm-hmm. From Nashville, I've been to Mexico, Miami, I'm going to West. You know, all these things are happening. I change every day as a person. Mm-hmm. And she wants to know who this person is that's showing up in an author. Right. So right. The, the conversation is also, what, where are you? Mm-hmm. What do you need? Mm-hmm. Are we good? you need more time? you need less time? Do you need yeah. me to take more things out of your soul? Mm-hmm. And it's always interchangeable. Wow. It's not like that with other people because it's set. Yeah. Once it's set, that's it. It's yeah. done. We don't set things. Wow. We play. We play on stage. So it's really about the balance on all levels. All levels. All levels. Everything. I, I think that's something that's so valuable. It just it's even with the companies that I work with, the dancers that I work with. The the black and white is just a very hard narrative mm-hmm. to live for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Speci- specifically when you're talking about injuries and the ability to grow as an artist. Yeah. You know, and the fact of the matter is there's a lot of gray in life. Mm-hmm. There's so much gray in life because things are constantly changing. Yeah. So I, I think that's such an interesting perspective. Thank you for sharing oh, that. Oh, thank you. Okay, so we are rolling on, guys. We, we got some more stuff to, to work through here. And, mm-hmm. and a, lot of your, a lot of the questions that I had for you, you've kind of answered along the way. Um, tell me about looking back. How would you change your experience for the better? Ooh. Like. What what would you, what would you wanted differently for your experience? Honestly, I kind of I don't think I would change anything. Really, you wouldn't change a staff infection? No, man. Wow. Do you, Tell me why. I, I think because the staff infection taught me a lot about patience that I needed to take my time. Mm-hmm. Um, that I needed to sit down because I'm like so fast and mm-hmm. so quick to do everything. I always have the answer for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started reading a book shortly after that called uh, Quiet. 
mm-hmm. by Susan Cain, and mm-hmm. it's about introverts and extroverts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to learn what is the power of being of using my introvert side, uh-huh. um, because I'm so out here and so yes, expressive. Yes, he is, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's moments where I get really, really quiet, and mm-hmm. I can be in a room with a lot of people and just don't want to say anything. And I had to realize what that was. And I thought it was depression for mm-hmm. a lot of years. And I was like, no, you shouldn't be depressed. And I was like, actually, it's your recharge. Mm-hmm. It's your moment to like, just take for yourself and yeah. calm down. So I, maybe the one thing that I would say is I would take, I would have taken more time for myself yeah. in those years. But besides that, I would keep every injury. Mm-hmm. I would keep every fall. Mm-hmm. Um, like Twilight Tharp says, get an A in failure. Yeah. The idea of falling is the same idea as you are walking now and you are a, a grown man but when or a woman and when you were a little boy or a little girl you fell many times mm-hmm. to start walking mm-hmm. that is the same thing that's going to happen in life mm-hmm. it is not a sprint it is a marathon yep. you are trying to last to the end mm-hmm. you don't need to be first the fact that I finished and I got there that, that's your reward that is my reward that's your reward so right now mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a living reward yeah. And I'm trying to pass that on to the younger generation. How are you doing that? Tell, tell me about that. Oh, my that. God. I teach all How, the time. So, so <laughs> I, I know you do, because I, I follow Malik guys, and he is one of, like, I, I think at some point I'm going to do a top 10 of my favorite IG followers. He's one of them. Oh, thank you. Like, and, and, and I'm not saying that because I like to do. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that. You, you guys know me. I'm pretty honest. And I've always looked at your content and your stuff and looked at your dance and just how much you, it, 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 it's rare to see dancers that pour their heart out and they, I can touch the emotion and I feel it every single time. And that's pretty difficult through a screen thousands of miles away. Yeah. Every time I've seen this guy on social media, I feel him. And, and that's, that's a very rare thing that happens in this day and age where it's about the line right. how many turns can you right. make and can i balance on a boaster ball right this that's all great and good guys but at the end of the day people are looking to connect yeah. and that's the beauty for me in dance that's the beauty of doing all of these crazy things to our body to be able to tell a story right. and to connect with people so you've had this wealth enemy you're 31 mm-hmm. yeah you've gone through so many things that so many dancers probably will never experience in their entire yeah. lives Outside of teaching, how are you connecting with people that are that you? How are you reaching down? You know what? Um, I'm I'm very grateful that uh, Broadway Dance Center um, that I still teach at and that I started with. They give me a lot of opportunities to teach private classes. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, people are paying, but they ask for me specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always stay connected with those students through social media. Mm-hmm. I instead of. <laughs> um, I watch a lot of social media, of course, mm-hmm. but um, I, I'm watching it to, for to get inspiration. I, one of my hashtag is Inspired Daily, mm-hmm. um, and I watched Denzel, who I think is a genius and so many factors. Yeah. Uh, even especially when it comes to his relationship with his wife and his children, mm-hmm. and how he talks about social media is that it is a tool. Do not let the tool use you. Use the tool. Of course. Hey guys, so we just wrapped up part two of talking with Mr. Malik Washington. So he took us through his journey of having a staph infection, and then he also took us through a lot of the tools and the things that he learned along the way in coming out of that um, staph infection, that life-threatening situation, and how it really influences his ability to dance, his take on life, and how he became an artist. So I hope you really enjoyed it. Stay tuned for part three. 
where we dive even deeper into Malik's life as a dance entrepreneur and um, the economics of dance and things that young dancers really need to look out for. Stay tuned. Do you have comments, questions, or want to share your unique experience? Check the episode cliff notes to shoot me a message. We want to hear from you. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and you've learned some new things and mostly connected with the process and experiences of these amazing dancers. See you next time.